0: Welcome to the 365 Bible reading for January the 6th. We will be reading Genesis chapter 13 to 15 verse 21. Genesis 13 verse 5 to 1521. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for today's reading. We ask you to bless it. Make a miracle out of it, Lord. Intrigue us and develop us as you would. For your glory and your honor, Lord, be glorified in our life, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been up since one this morning, off and on, reading different variations and napping very little. I guess when you get older, there's nothing else to do. (laughs) Here we go. In Genesis, I'm facing a potential conflict. Abraham, with his nephew Lot, took the initiative, settling the dispute he gave Lot first choice, even though Abraham, being older, had the right to choose first. Abraham also showed a willingness to risk being cheated just like Christ. Abraham gave up his own power and privileges to serve Lot and to establish peace, even to the point of personal loss. For Abraham, establishing peace and maintaining his relationship with Lot was more important than demanding his own rights. Abram's example shows us how we can respond in tense situations. Take the initiative in resolving conflicts. Let others have first choice, even if that means not getting what we want, and put peace ahead of personal desire. Amen. A conflict developed between the families of Abram and Lot. It was over pasture land For their flocks, to ease the strained family relations, again, Abram offered Lot first choice of the land. Abram realized that people were more important than possessions. So he sacrificed his own right, again, to the best land to maintain harmony between their families. In recovery, we need to learn this important lesson in transformation and renewal. Our relationships are more important than the things we own. Amen. And remember that one bad choice often leads to another. The choices Lot made in this situation and in the following chapters led him towards his his eventual fall. Here, the selfish choice, the best land, and the easy life style that would come with it. He chose to move closer to the wicked city of Sodom He chose to become an important man in a wicked place. Lot's descent descent reached its final depth as he had an relationship with his daughters. We need to think ahead, reflecting upon the probable consequences of our present decisions. Let's go ahead and read. Abraham and Lot. Genesis 13, starting at verse 5. Lot was traveling with Abram. He had also become very wealthy with flocks and sheep and goats, herds and cattle and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and, and Lot. At that time, Canaanites and Parasites were also living in the land. Finally, Abram said to Lot, Let's not allow this conflict to to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then take it. I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot looked a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the Garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with Uncle Abram, So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom, and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am giving you all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that, like the dust on the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. There he built another altar to the Lord. About this time, war broke out in the region, King Amraphel of Babylonia, King Ariok of Elazar, King Kedor Loromar of Elam and King Tidol of Goim, of Go'im fought against King Burra of Saram, King Bershia of Gomorrah, King Shinab of Amma, and King Shamir of Zeboim, and the King of Bela, also called Sor. The second group of kings joined forces in Sidim Valley, that is the Valley of the Dead Sea. For twelve years they have been subject to King kedor Mar, but in the 13th year, they rebel against him. One year later, Kedor-Liom and his allies arrived and defeated the Rephaelites at Asherah the the Susahites of Ham and the Emites of Shaveh taim and the Horites of Mansur, as far as El-Paran, at the edge of the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to En-Mishpah, now called Kadesh, and conquered all the territory of the Amalekites and also the Amorites living in Hazazon Tamar. <clears throat> then the rebel king of Sodom and Gomorrah, Amaz, Ad- Zeboim, and Bela, also Coasor, prepared for battle in the valley of the Dead Sea. They fought against King Kedor, Leomer of Elam, King Tidah of Goim, King Amraphel of Babylon, and King Arioch of Eleazar. <clears throat> Four- Kings against five. As it happened, the valley of the dead Sea was filled with tar pits. And as the army of the king of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into the tar pits, while the rest escaped into the mountains. The victorious invaders that plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food supplies. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who lived in the Sodom and carried off everything he owned. But one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram, the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, the Amorites. Mamre and his relatives, Eshko and Enner, were Abram's family, allies. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized 318 trained men who had been born into his household. Then he pursued Kedur Leomar's army and he caught up with them at Dan. There he divided his men in attacking during the night. Kedor Lemir's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. After Abram returned from his victory over Kedor Lemir and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king of the valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God's most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. Note. A number of important character traits emerge as we examine Abram's prompt. Military action. He provided himself to be a man of courage, always ready to act when the situation demanded it. He was willing to give up certain luxuries in order to follow the program God had laid out for him. These are important characteristics for us to emulate as we continue in this transforming recovery process. Amen. Then Abraham gave Meshizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Get back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods you have recovered. Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord God, Most High, Creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much as a single tread or sandal thong from you what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abraham rich. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten, and I request that you give a fair share of the goods of the, to my allies, Aner, Eshko, and Some Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, of servants, in most my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given. You have given me no descendants of my own, so no, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will hear, you will have a son of your own who will be. Your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars. If you can, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteousness. Hallelujah. And the Lord believed, and Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Chaldeans to give you this great land as your possession. Amen. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? The Lord told him, Bring me a three year old heifer, a three year old female goat, a three year old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these things. And killed him. Then he cut out each animal down in the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in halves. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcass. But Abraham chased him away. As the sun was going down, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abraham then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be in strangers in a foreign land where they will oppose a fierce heart. They, where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation and enslave them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried in a ripe old age. Excuse me. Oh boy, where did I leave off? <laughs> After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land. For the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abraham was a smoking fire saw a smoking firepot, and a flaming torch passed between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day and said, I have given you this land to your procession. All the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, the land now occupied by Canaanites, Kennesites, Candomites, Edites, Parasites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Gesheites, and Jebusites. Amen. A lot of sights. Because of the disappointment and frustration of seventy-five children, seventy-five childish years, God promised a numerous children must have stretched Abraham's faith to the very limit. When God said, "You're gonna, you're gonna bring out your own heir," God's plan to Abraham seemed an impossibility. Thousands of descendants from an old man and a barren woman, but God's promise did actually come about. God's plans for us may seem beyond belief. Even impossible, we may think we are beyond hope, but with God, nothing is impossible. This is one of the most important verses in the Old Testament. Abraham believed God, and God declared him righteous. In other words, it was Abraham's fate, not his works, that made him righteous before God. For us to con- contribute in recovery, we might need to trust God more and trust one and trust our work less. We are powerful over the pressures of sin. We are powerless over the pressures of sin, but God will help us through the tough temptations if we trust them. He will count us righteous because of our trust in him, not because we are perfect. Amen. Reading of Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 to 48. You heard the commandments that says you must not commit adultery. But I, Jesus say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You have heard the law that says, A man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce, but I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows, you must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say, by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say, by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say, by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say, by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and turn And don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be active as true children. You'll be acting as true children of your heavenly Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rains on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there f- for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Commentary. Anger and lust are two dangerous pitfalls that threaten All of us, in a way or in another, intense emotions and desires must be dealt with from the inside out. Those of us burning with rage, lust, or some other addictive behavior generally think we can control it. But we eventually and verily lose control. Jesus shows how the patterns of anger and lust are serious and far too powerful for us to control alone. We can begin the path toward victory. We can begin the path to victory by admitting that we are powerless and looking to our powerful God for help. Once we admit it, we admit it we're powerless over these addictions. Then we thank God that we can see that we are powerless. Isn't that incredible to thank God that you can see? It's kind of like, what a homeless guy said when I told him to thank God that he's out there in the cold with his bicycle in the, in the alley in the side of a building and, you know, for being resentful for a business deal years ago. I told him to thank God. He thought about it. The next few days I came back with the wife and we talked to him again. And he said, the prayer is a full circle. And I said, would you please explain he said, when you start thanking God that you recognize that you have a problem, you're already thanking him for the solution that's on its way. He called it a full circle prayer. When you thank God for your lust, thank God you, you, you're an adulterer, that you thank God that you recognize it. Thank God for the, that the adultery has turned you to look to God. And that's a full circle prayer. You can rest assured that as we turn to God, he's not going to, as we turn to the Father, he's going to forgive us, restore us, rejoicing. It makes sense to me, folks. You know, we cannot experience God's blessed recovery without true humility. Pride often stands in the way of our dealing with painful problems and destructive dependencies and behaviors. If we cannot admit our problems and sins, and who we're meeting. Uh, uh, <laughs> we, uh we are admitting un, unto the Father. That would be a full circle. Then there could be a real cure for us. When we humble ourselves before God, we mourn and grieve over our mistakes and losses. As we do this, we will experience the wonderful comfort that only God can offer. See Second Corinthians 1, 3 and 5. When we do this, now you tell me, "Oh, Fernando, you, you're not you're not being humble now. You're rejoicing in your sin." Well, let me ask you this: How many times did you mourn and cry and of your sin, and you still did it over and over and over again? Ask me. Come on now. How how many times did you? And then you keep okay. So if it's not working, folks, it just. Do it the way, the way the homeless guy said. It's a full circle prayer. You're acting in faith. You're fortified. You're actually saying the truth that there's a creator and he will cure that malignancy by thanking him that we recognize we're sinners. We're thanking him that we recognize her that this thing's got our lunch and we aren't able to let go of it. You know? Overeating over talking notice that Jesus said anything more of this is of the devil so we're going to do a little a special segment today we're going to read what we read and a couple of other ones the amplified Bible we're going to read it in the um, passion translation and maybe the good news Bible or whatever I think we should that has a, a, a explain that has more in-depth into it Okay, We're going to go into the Greek and uh, Hebrew and the original on those passages. Thank you. Be right back. Reading from the Passion Translation. It says, Your answers have been taught. Never commit adultery. Starting at verse 27 of Matthew 5. However, I say to you, if you look with a lust in your eyes at, at the body of a woman who is not your wife, you already committed adultery in your heart. If your right eyes, well, we'll stop right there. Okay, let's hit that verse right on the nose. Um, it's I got just got a couple of questions. Interesting that uh, that it was Old Testament. Jesus was obviously quoting Old Testament. Your ancestors have been taught Old Testament: never commit adultery. However, I say to you, if you look with lust in your your eyes at, at the body of a woman who is not your wife. You already committed adultery in your heart. Wow. You're going to have to look up, folks, you know, because our imaginations are so strong, our eyes, you know, and, and the, the, the desire to, to populate the earth, you know, it's extremely strong when you're a teen, when you're young, when you're in your 20s. It's amazing that, um, anyway, I don't have any much to say about that. Other than that, you thank God that I'm a misfit. I thank God I messed up. Then I I get the power to do right. That's the only thing I can say about that. If you're lusting, it's, you know, uh, especially your neighbor's wife. Now, that's a problem. You start thanking God, thanking God that you lust, and you'll be able to cure it. Or you'll be able to redirect it to your wife or you get go running. I hear if you run, you exercise, you burn all that excitement up and you'll be righteous. So we're going to have a lot of thin Christians in the body of Christ. Amen. If your right eye seduces you to fall into sin, then go blind in your sight eye in your sight, right eye. For you're better off losing sight in one than having your whole body thrown into hell. Can you imagine a lot of people have taken their eyes out because of this passage? I have met one person. Well, he took it out of uh, self-pity or whatever. He he shot himself in the eye. I guess it's no different than killing yourself, huh? And if your right hand entices you to sin, let it go limp and useless. For you're better off losing a part of your body than to have it all thrown into hell. And if your right hand entices you to sin, let it go limb. It has been said, whoever divorces his wife must give his legal divorce papers. Whoever says to you, if anyone divorces his wife for any reason except for infidelity, he causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So, you know, uh, I wish Jesus said, well, if you thank God and you praise him, and, you know, you should be, have the power to overcome these situations. You know, we need a solution here. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a solution. A solution that works. because Jesus died on the cross, took all our sins and diseases, and perpetual, the word perpetual, it means, you know, his blood, his forgiveness is perpetual. It overrides everything else. So when we start praising and thanking God, we move over into that victorious stream of power through Jesus Christ, and we're forgiven. And now we can control our imaginations, we can control our gambling, we control our anger and sin by uh, worshiping, praising, and thanking Him that you notice that you're a mess of. If you're in it, you thank God. Then you realize that you, it, you have the, uh, the power to get out by thanking Him. Kind of strange uh, you're thanking God. So thanking God that you understand that you're a sinner, thanking God. And then, then now we have a way out. We have a way out with our drinking or smoking and smoking and jumping back into nonsense. But thanking God that there's a Savior. Thanking Jesus Christ for His sacrifice on the cross. Amen. Okay, I'm not going to try to... That's about it. I took out the Bibles. I read a lot of them. A lot of them just say the same thing over again. They say, the Bible says, You're guilty, and there's not a solution. I, Fernando, tell you, my Fernando translation says, Praise God. Praise God for the whole situation. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and move onward. Let's move to our reading of the Psalms and praying. Pray through Psalm 6 for whatever hardships you're facing today. Rest your anxious heart in God's love and rescue. Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we just pray and ask you, Lord God, for the hardships we're going through. Lord, we're going through the hardships of lust, hardships of anger, hardships of jealousy. Hardships of talking too much, Lord God. And, Lord, we just thank you for these situations. We give you the praise and the thanksgiving for, and the glory for your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You know, I didn't get a chance to go into the Amplified. I got one Amplified. There's two different kinds of Amplified Bibles. There's the one that will expound, and then there's the classic one. I have the classic one. The other one is on my computer. And I was thinking that there's more in the book of Matthew on 28 of the rest of the... There was another little passage in there that I wanted to go over. Let me see if I can find it. Let me just go ahead and read that again in the... Uh Let's back up a little bit. Let's not get away from Matthew 5, verse 28 just yet. It says right here. <laughs> yeah, I found it. Uh, it says, making notes. Here you go. This is on verse 33. Again, your ancestors were taught. Never swear an oath that you don't intend to keep, but keep your vows to the Lord God. However, I say to you, don't bind yourself by taking an oath at all. Don't swear by heaven, for heaven is where God's throne is placed. Don't swear an oath by the earth, because it is a rug under God's feet. And not by Jerusalem, because the city is the city of the great king. And why should you swear by your own head because it is not in your power to turn a single hair white or black? Or why swear on your mother's grave? You know how many people? Or swear on the Bible. But just let your words rank true. A simple yes or no will suffice. Anything beyond that, this springs from a deceiver. Wow. You hear that? How easily we... uh, we say, on my mother's grave, you know, uh, I swear, or I swear in the Bible, it says right here, a simple yes, a simple no. One of the reasons that comes to mind is because we're made in God's image. So we, we, are, we can say yes or no, and that's it. If God says yes or no, you, you think he would uh, have to explain anything? You know, we're in his image, so we say yes or no, it's fine. The thing that, that I would like to look at is anyone, anything beyond that springs from a deceiver. So this deceiver is the one who puts those thoughts into our hearts. Oh, I, I, I swear by the heaven, by heaven's throne. I swear by Jerusalem. You know, I, I didn't hear all that growing up. All I heard is on my mother's grave, right? So that is right here it says it comes from deceiver it comes from Satan those are thoughts from Satan that he imputes for us to say he imputed to our ancestors he imputed to a lot of people and when we're right on the verge of talking to someone he whispers to us so he can get us to say his nonsense the other one, nonsense that he gets us to say is it's killing me or I'm under the weather you know, any little situation that 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 comes against the image of God that's inside of us, you know, it's it's from the devil. That's my opinion, folks. Amen. Your ancestors also taught take an eye in exchange for an eye and in tooth for an exchange for a tooth. However, I say to you, don't repay an evil act with another evil act. But whoever insults you by slapping you in the right cheek, turn the other to him as well. If someone is determined to to sue you for your coat, amen. Well, the first one says, love your enemies and hate, hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, love your enemy, bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you, and respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as children of your Heavenly Father. He is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and rainfall to refresh whether a person does what is good or evil. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even tax collectors do that? How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness? Only to your friends. Don't even the ungodly do that? Since you are children of a perfect father in heaven, you are to be perfect like him. So, you know, just to make it sound... This makes sense when we're born again and we're going to live in eternity and, and God is going to, he says, God says, I'm going to judge them. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. But we as humans, we want to see vengeance right away and God sees the torture that human beings are going to live under forever and ever and how we're going to be in paradise. So he's looking at it from the sense of eternity. And since we are ready it's it's like it's like we win the lottery, we got a hundred million dollars in our resources in our bank account, and we run over someone that that, that takes two, three pennies from us. They swindle us in a couple of dollars. And that's the difference, folks. In my mind. You know, and who of us are gonna turn the other cheek? Unless we know that person is going to live, you know, in hellfire forever and ever. Then how, that's how we're perfect. Be you perfect in heaven as we are perfect like him. And that takes a lot of wisdom. It takes a lot of love, a lot of experience in God, a lot of growing up, uh, thanking him for problems and raising the spirit of God up so the, the love will flow, you know remember one guy punched me in the face, punched me. But I had so much love and I knew I could, you know, take him. I already had thrown trying to discipline him. He was pretty mad. But I didn't have a, an anger or issue or anything in my heart and, and I didn't act on that. And, you know, I noticed that through time, a lot of people do change their ways. They, they they change their ways. And God says that in, in Proverbs, when someone offends you and you overlook it, it turns to honor. It turns to honor. What's up with that, folks? Anyway, amen. Just a little side note, little thoughts. A lot of us have not turned our cheeks. A lot of us, you know, men, we do not turn our cheek well. we someone punches, we punch right back and we repent later if someone's determined to sew our coat we, we we'd take them to court and write them to you know we don't give our shirts off our back in return but one thing we can do folks is we can pray for them for their salvation that is what we can do put in an envelope and just start bombarding heaven and pray for their their happiness pray for their bills pray for their health their prosperity, all the things we want here on earth, we pray for our enemies. So we cash them in, folks. Cash in our problems, cash in our enemies, that God will, and God will reward us. for. That's what I can see, folks. You know, a lot of people can use these stuff that we read for condemnation. But, you know, we're talking about solutions here. How do, how do we, we live in the two worlds that so many people have given up? And, man, it's easier to go to the bar. I like that Simpson cartoon where there was an asteroid or something was coming to destroy the, the world. And on one cartoon, you got a bar on, on, and then you have a church on the other side. And all the people from the church run to the bar and all the people from the bar run to the church. It's like, whoa. Amen. Okay, pray through Psalm 6 for whatever hardships you're facing today. Rest your anxious heart in God's love and rescue. Amen. And let me pray because I probably missed it somewhere. And you're probably saying, yes, Fernando, you have. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your great love. We just praise you and we thank you that we are your children and we're here to win it, Lord. Whatever it is, we win, Lord. We win because of your son and the procession and the mighty victorious army that Jesus Christ died for, Lord. We are that army, Lord, here on earth, doing your will, your process. We thank you, Jesus Christ, for your great love, your kindness and your goodness. Thank you for that love that we can forgive, we can pray, Lord, and we can do your work and be your children. We can be perfect as the fathers in heaven perfect, by thanking God for our problems. And the Lord restores, renews, rewards, makes brand new, compensates. He is a rewarder of the things that we did not take even when we're accused. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. All right, thank you. I am a little, uh, having about four hours of sleep, and I get up and, and I must do our Father's will. O Lord, chapter 6 of Psalms. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. I am sick of heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? Return, O Lord, and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. For the dead do not remember you. Who can praise you from the grave? I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. My vision is blurred. My grief, my eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. Go away, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord will answer my prayer. May all my enemies be disgraced and terrified. May they suddenly turn back in shame. Proverbs one twenty nine thirty three. 33. For they hated knowledge and choose not to fear fear of the Lord. For they hated knowledge and choose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my wisdom advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. Hallelujah. That's Proverbs 1, 29 33, folks. Let me read that again. For they hated knowledge and choose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my wisdom advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore... They must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. Beautiful, wonderful. Let's memorize that, folks. That is our inheritance, man. Fear of harm. Untroubled by fear or harm. We're not using our imagination to bring fear into the, or letting Satan bring fear into our hearts for harm. But we bring in love for good. God's way, bring in love for good. I love you. Give you a hug. Smile. Take care.